Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 3 of this C9 Win podcast. This is being recorded Tuesday, November 24th, the day before Cloud9 plays in the Blast Pro Series. Tomorrow morning they play against NIP, so I don't have any of that information yet. But in this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about Flashpoint 2, what to expect from their upcoming matches, the Cloud9 Stratus program, and then also just a little bit about the old roster. Uh, This episode is brought to you by the C9 Win Taskbar which is a taskbar that I've created and will be released soon that will be on Windows and Mac, and it'll show you their upcoming and recent matches, upcoming recent events. It'll consolidate all of their news from like Reddit, Cloud9's website themselves, HLTV, etc. Um, it'll have a bunch of stats, things like that. So that is something that is going to be released coming up soon. So if you want more information on that, follow me on Twitter at Cloud9 underscore win. Or you can go to my website, c9win.com, and hit the subscribe button in the top right. And more information on that will be coming up soon. So let's talk a little bit about Flashpoint 2. Flashpoint 2 was a good example of why you can't put too much emphasis on a roster's first few matches, good or bad. Um, That being said, I was impressed with the skill ceiling of the team. Like Waxic, I think, performed really well. Mezzi, I think, showcased the talent that he's going to have. I said before that I thought he was going to be one of the uh, fan favorites because of his role and how he's going to be clutching and like just the way he like peaks and stuff like that. And he had quite a few clutches, a few almost clutches in Flashpoint. And so I think that the skill ceiling they've shown has been good. Uh, but I was very unimpressed with their overall teamwork. And that's something that is going to come a time. And I'm going to explain some of these things here in a second. I also put together like a 30-minute video showcasing the three main problems I saw at Flashpoint. So check that out on my YouTube, scene I went on YouTube, if you haven't already. Uh, the biggest problems that I saw were poor decision-making, the lack of utility, and then just really passive CT sides. Uh, a lot of the decisions that I saw that were poor were actually by Alex, like with him pushing unchecked areas with utilities out or feeling like he needs to push an advantage to create more pressure on the map and actually losing the pressure that the team already has in doing so. And I think there's a couple of reasons for this. The last match for Alex was in February and that was almost nine months ago. So since then he's probably just been pugging and then just recently started getting back into even scrimming. And so like basketball or any sport, when you've taken this much time off, it takes a while for the game to kind of come back to you. Like you can practice with your team, you can be you know, playing pickup games, but it's just not the same as playing in an actual game. And so I feel like some of the bad habits that we saw might have just been from the more scrimmy, puggy environment. And it's, it was just such a long time between real matches that he wasn't sure exactly what he could and couldn't get away with. And I think it'll just take time for the game to come back to him and just slow down. Because the more comfortable you are in the server, the slower the game feels. And it felt like a lot of the situations looked rushed. Like they had a little bit of control and so like, oh, we got to go, got to go, got to go. When in reality, they needed to just slow down, get the utility out or see what's going on, check angles a little bit better. And I think he'll regain that balance. It'll just take more reps, like more real reps, um, not scrim reps. Those will help, but not nearly as much as playing actual matches. A related factor to this could be also that the team might not be used to his play style. So there's definitely the possibility that Alex is making all the decisions that he would normally want to make, and the team just hasn't been together long enough to understand how he wants to play. So 
he gets like left out in the open or the communication doesn't come across exactly. And so he's pushing through a smoke and there's no flash for him because the team doesn't know that he's doing that and it doesn't come across. And that might just come with times. So he might need to slow down a little bit. The team might need to be more used to what he wants to do. And again, that'll just come with time. And I think that, um, I think the game will come to Alex just fine and that the team will will more fully understand the direction he's taking and have their utility ready if he's going to be pushing that aggressiveness. Also, like basketball, having that like inert chemistry is so important because like if you're driving to the basket, you need to know where your shooters are on the floor and they need to also instinctively know how to be reacting to what they should be doing based on what you're doing. So like if you're driving, you need to know if your big is coming to the basket with you or is he popping for a shot or is your shooter over in the corner or is he cutting to the baseline behind the defense, etc. Like all these things create like this beautiful dance that's like built through chemistry and the same thing needs to happen to this team where they need to subconsciously know what Alex is doing and what he wants to do and then can use communication to like supplement that. And this is just built through hours and hours of practice and real games. So I expect this will come. I believe they have the personalities to mesh. I just think they're going to need a little bit more time. The lack of utility is something that we also saw across all the maps. They would buy a lot of utility and they just wouldn't use much of it. They would dry peak a lot of angles. They would just walk through smokes without flashes. Um, Sites were taken with like an abundance of utility left over and... I think that, again, this is due to not being together very long. I think a lot of the T-sides seem rushed or they lacked direction once like their initial play was interrupted. And so I think they weren't super comfortable, which led to them forgetting to use utility or being unsure of what utility they should be using. Like, should I be mollying bank or someone else smoking it? Oh, he's already going into the site, so do I flash now? Oh, he's already in. Okay, I'll go too. I think just the lack of cohesion creates a lack of utility because when you're unsure what to do, you they were just going. So I think there were many instances that they could have won rounds or even maps if they just used a little bit more utility. And I think it totally could have swung some of these matchups. And again, I think that's something that will come in time. Their CT sides were also really passive, especially on Inferno. Uh, they never really fought for mid. They never really fought for banana after the first 10 seconds. Uh, For the most part, they would just fight Banana with utility at the beginning and then just kind of like back off and sit on B site. And then over on A site, they would kind of just give up top mid. They wouldn't push apps, so they would just be sitting on A site and they would kind of just wait for the other team to execute, either on B or on A. And then if that team knows what they're doing, that's always going to be a disaster because their executes are going to be mauling off, smoking off, flashing off every angle And you shouldn't ever win any of those rounds if the other team is executing correctly and you have no control so you don't know where they are. So I think that they definitely need to be fighting for more areas of the map. And you saw this on Mirage um, in the OG matchup, like around round 11, something flipped for them and they started getting really aggressive on Mirage and the whole CT side changed. They didn't win every round, but every round they easily could have won. The percentage was in their favor. They started pushing top mid. They started pushing A ramp, started like pressuring all these different areas of the map and their CT side completely changed. So I'm really hoping that in the future maps, they'll remember that and have recognized that and then use that in the future. 
Again, it could come down to chemistry. If they're just afraid to take risks because they're not 100% sure what the other players are doing, so they are just playing more passive because that's easy, that might be the case. And as they get to know each other, they will just take more risks and push more forward. So looking forward, up next is Blast. And so Blast is a single elimination tournament. So they're playing Blast tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning. And while I wouldn't call this like a must-win game, I would say it's a very important match for morale. Luckily, they did replace EG for DreamHack next week. And I think that's a giant like pressure alleviator from the team. Because I think if they went 0-2 in Flashpoint and then they came to Blast and lost their first match and came out of Blast in the first round, they'd then be 0-3. And I don't really know when their next event would be. So it might be not having a win potentially going the rest of the year without an event, I feel like that would feel pretty bad. So I think that having DreamHack takes a lot of pressure off this single elimination tournament, which is good. Plus, we need all the players to get as many reps as possible, like real in-game reps, not scrims. And so I think playing NIP and then potentially Complexity could be some really good experience. I think that they could beat NIP, if they've made a bunch of adjustments, if they play the exact same way they did at Flashpoint, I think that it might be a tough win. But I do, I am glad that they are part of DreamHack because that would have been, it would have been a lot of pressure to win that game or else you're going a long time without a win and that just feels bad for the team. The fans are then piling on. They're wondering who should be cut. They're wondering like what should be going on, even though it's like literally three matches into the team. Like you could already see a lot of people piling on after just the O2 at Flashpoint. So I'm excited for those matches. Take a look and pay attention to their CT sides. See if they're taking more risks on CT. See if they're getting a little more aggressive on T side. See if they're using their utility a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit better. See if their teamwork's a little bit better. So there's a few things to watch out for there. Um, a few other things I want to touch on is I want to touch on Cloud9's new Stratus program. And I think that the Stratus program is actually really brilliant. I think it's an incredible way for the fans to get a little bit more and secure probably a decent amount of funds for the Orc. I honestly think with what they're offering with like the exclusivity and stuff, I think they could have actually charged more and I expect them to in the future. With $500 right now and what you get, it seems like they're basically just having you buy merch up front and then you're getting other benefits with it. I think they easily could have charged $500 just for the ability to interact with the players and like a free t-shirt. Like that's the draw of this program, right? Is you're able to have a way to communicate with the people that you're watching and following and that you really have no shot of actually communicating with just in general. Like, what is the chance that you ever get, like, a meaningful response or conversation with someone like Perks? Like, that's going to be so rare that that would ever happen, more than, like, potentially getting, like, a like on a tweet that you sent at him or something. But now that they're opening this up to people, you actually have the ability to talk with these people or interact. I think that's a very, very cool program. I think it's a very smart business move, and I think it'll be an incredible value for the fans who can afford it. I'm not a part of this program, uh, but if you can swing the money and like, especially if you're planning on buying merch anyway, I feel like this is pretty fantastic. Like, I think it's a good, 
a good way to interact with the people that you're watching on a day-to-day basis. You get a bunch of exclusive merch. Like I think someone calculated it up and it was like four, $430 worth of merch or something like that. And it's exclusive to you. I saw today that they're raffling off posters and stuff. Like I think it's a really good program. I think it's a great, a great business move. I think they sh- should have charged more and I think they probably will in the future. Um, but I think that that's something that, that could be really cool if you're able to swing it and be a part of it. And lastly, I want to touch on the old roster. Obviously, I don't know what happened specifically in regards to them being released. And I don't really want to like speculate beyond what was actually announced. Uh, but I was super bummed to hear they were released. And I'm sure this added a ton of pressure onto the players with visas because they then had 30 days to find a new team or else they'll be kicked out of the country. But some good news, though, is that on MOTM's stream recently, he did say that that they have good news coming up and was talking about how crazy it is that this roster was able to stay together and how with all they've been through and all this, the fact that they're still together is huge. So it sounds like they got something sorted out, and I think that's a huge relief, and it sounds like they might be landing somewhere solid. So I hope that's true. I hope that that works out, and they do announce that they're somewhere solid and that fixes all the visa issues and all that stuff because they are a good team and they deserve to be somewhere good. So I hope that that is true and does end up working for them. So that's it for this episode. It's a little bit shorter. Um, but if you haven't already, check out my my video on what went wrong at Flashpoint 2. For the next podcast and videos, I'm not exactly sure when it'll come. Most likely not till after DreamHack as tonight. We're actually being induced and having a baby girl. So potentially by the time you're listening to this, I will have a baby girl. So I'm just not sure what life will look like for the next little bit, but I'll post any updates on Twitter. If you want, smash this like for a blast co-stream from the labor and delivery room tomorrow morning. No, I'm just joking. But yeah, so just not sure what will happen in the future. I'm not planning on stopping content, but you know, who knows what will happen for the next little bit. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time.